just a moment of prayer. Let's pray. My all my days bring glory to your name. That's quite a prayer. And Father, we, we ask now as we turn to your word that we may have an attentive ear, that we may have a heart that knows the touch of your grace upon it, and that we may, O oh Lord, be prepared for that day when you call us unto yourself. And grant, O oh Lord, that now as we turn to your word, your spirit will be our teacher and counselor. And this we ask through Christ our Savior. Amen. Well, uh, as I have said, we, we're turning to uh, Joel chapter 3. I will be referring quite uh, uh, a lot to the verses there. You may wish to, to follow the, the reading in uh, your Bible. Don't you wonder what is happening to our world? Possibly the conundrum is a question of every generation. But it does seem there are so many strange things occurring. The news last weekend was dominated by the climax of the Lucy Letby murders of seven babies. Some terrible revelations were made public and on Monday the judge delivered the verdict. On Wednesday, we hear of the European crash in Russia and the death of Evgeny Prigozhin. Was this the result of judgment being passed by Russian authorities? And the summer has seen numerous forest fires, more than it seems were ever normal. A town burnt to the ground in Hawaii. Widespread evacuations in Canada. Bodies found dead from fires in Greece. Mind-boggling. Strange days. We come to Joel chapter 3 this evening. And how have you been finding Joel? Honestly, how have you been finding Joel? I have to admit, it is a minor prophecy I have never really considered much. Never preached from, so you're getting a fresh sermon this evening. <laughs> never preached from, nor I don't expect I ever heard a sermon from Joel until the beginning of the series we complete this evening. And I thank Neil and Stuart for their sermons. And if you missed any of them, you can't catch up on YouTube. I also have to admit, I find Joel to be a bit of a mystery and confusing. And as I have tried to read and consult some commentaries, I have discovered they are not all out of one mind on it either. This evening, we consider chapter 3. Uh, and the main theme, as I see it, is judgment. And the climax is the coming of the day of the Lord. I want us to review the, the book just a little. 
And chapter 1 and, and 2 have recurring themes, which we have had admirably expounded for us. Joel is primarily a poetic kind of prophecy, which starts with the invasion of locusts. Was this literal or a poetic way of expressing the disaster experienced by Israel? Both opening chapters begin with disaster and invasion of locusts or a mighty army. In Joel chapter 1 and verse 6, we read, A nation has been invaded by land, a mighty army without number. It has teeth of a lion and fangs of a lioness. And in chapter 2 of an invasion in verse 5, with the noise of chariots like chariots, they leap over the mountaintops like a crackling fire-consuming stubble. We've, we've been experiencing a little bit of that recently. Or like a mighty army drawn up for battle. And, we, and we've seen that in the past couple of years in Ukraine. And chapter 1 and 2 also include the allusion to the ominous day of the Lord. In chapter 1, verse 15, we read, Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. And chapter 2 and verse 11, we read, The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Is the day of the Lord near? We can only surmise. The last sermon we had in chapter 2 concluded with the hope of the glorious day of the Lord. When God will pour out his spirit on all people and when everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel 2, verses 28 to 32. A familiar Pentecost passage. The passage from Joel. Many sermons have been preached. The nation of Israel here has, has suffered numerous disasters. Nations have invaded taken their land, robbed them, and enslaved them. But God has called for repentance. And he has not forsaken them. He has rescued them and blessed them. Joel chapter 2, For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. And the Lord has said, There will be deliverance. And now as we come to chapter 3, this is what we see. The day of the Lord means judgment. And the day of the Lord means blessing. So firstly, in chapter 3, we see here, God's judgment is global. In those days, and at that time, when the day of the Lord is imminent, there will be a day of judgment when all nations will be exposed to the judge. The nations will be gathered in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, I, I don't know that there was a definite valley called Jehoshaphat. But there is a specific meaning to the name. The Lord judges. The nations will be escorted by the heavenly guards to the valley where they will stand trial, where the Lord will judge. 
These nations that tormented Israel, the nations that attacked, pillaged, destroyed the infrastructure, executed the young men, their old men, their women, and abused their children, they will be humiliated and judged in the presence of the chief of justice. Turn just a page to, or to Amos. And we read of the judgment of Israel's neighbors. For example, first of all, of Gaza in, cha- in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, Amos. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Gaza, even for four, I will not relent because she took captive whole communities and sold them to Edom. I will send fire on the walls of Gaza that will consume her fortresses. Or of Tyre, we read in verse 9, for three sins of Tyre, even for four, I will not relent because she sold whole communities of captives to Edom. I will send fire on the walls of Tyre that will consume her fortresses. Or we look to uh, verse 11. Again, Edom. For three sins of Edom and for four, I will not relent because he pursued his brother with a sword and slaughtered the women of the land. I will send fire on Taman that will consume the fortresses of Bozrah. These, and it goes on, etc. These nations are judged for what they did. And in verse 3 of uh, Joel, chapter 3, there is an allusion to how they sold the people of Israel as slaves, abused the boys, and sold them into prostitution, and exploited young girls for all kinds of immoral abuse. And in verses 4 to 8, we have Tyre and Sidon and the regions of of the Philistines. These peoples from the Mediterranean coastal region down to the present-day Gaza committed sacrilege. They robbed the temple of its treasures, took the people as slaves, sold them into Europe. In verse 7, we read, the Lord says, On your heads be it. Their sons and daughters will suffer the consequences. And in verse 8, we read, the Lord has spoken. And that means that there is no contradiction. This is the word of authority. Like all the prophetic prophetic utterances we have in the prophets, where we read, thus says the Lord. This is a word of authority. This was a word that calls for something to happen. And on that day of the Lord, we read, war is declared. What a terrible day. A day when hearts are are sorely troubled. We, We think back to when the war with Ukraine was declared by Putin. Honestly, how did you feel? even though we were miles from it, well removed. I know I felt this way. Did the heart not feel heavy? 
the nations are to assemble all their warriors, even the men of the land were to join up, were to employ the blacksmiths in converting their farm implements into weapons, we read in verses 9 to 10. End of verse 9 and 10. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling sing, even the weakest, were to say, I am strong and, and enter into this war. Remember the day of the Lord in Micah, in Micah chapter 4 and verse 3, where we read, He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. In Joel, we read the opposite. The farm tools are converted into weapons. And even the weakest among the nations will fight on this battle in the valley of Jehoshaphat. And we read in verse 11, the Lord's warriors descend. The Lord's warriors descend from heaven into the valley of decision. The angels descend. The war Lord's warriors. And in verse 12, where the Lord sits as judge and swings into action the implements of harvest, the sickle and the winepress. I believe this has to allude to Revelation 14, verses 1 to 8, and the day of judgment. We read there, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. It seems to me the valley of judgment is overcrowded with multitudes and multitudes pressing and pushing and falling to their destiny. The valleys can be places of beauty where the river flows and the grass grows and the, and the harvests are ripe for picking. In Psalm chapter 65, we read there, the valleys are described as covered with flocks and mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing what a beautiful picture, some blessed picture of the valley. But on the day of the Lord, the valley of decision is as the psalmist also describes, even in Psalm 23, the valley of death. And in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 32, the valley is a valley of slaughter. We read there, so beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, 
when people will no longer call it Topheth or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, where they will bury the dead until there is no more room. The valley of judgment is overcrowded with multitudes and falling to their destiny. The day of decision is a dismal day. There will be a universal eclipse and the sky will be black, we read in verse 15. The sun and moon will be dark and the, and the stars burn out as Peterson puts it in his message. And there will be a tumultuous explosion of thunder which shakes the earth in terror as the Lord cries out his verdict. This all alludes to a universal day of judgment where no nation will escape the court of the Lord. God's judgment is global. What nation can escape the judgment of the Lord? John Lennox, someone you know the name, academic and writer, in his study of Daniel and the apocalyptic understanding of Daniel chapter 7, he writes this. One day, ultimate justice will be meted out. Records have been kept of all the horrors and evil to which human beings have been subjected by the beasts that have stalked the jungles of power. When the awesome heavenly court sits and God, the ancient of days, presides, the books will be opened and rational, measured, and righteous justice will be done. He goes on and he writes, a day will come when God will bring to an end the state war machines, the terrorist bombs, the consummate evil of totalitarian oppression, the gas chambers, death camps, killing fields, and countless other infamous instruments of death. There will be judgment. Joel 3 and verse 3. Alluded, you will remember as we read through there, to the nations being guilty of casting lots for people and trading children for prostitutes. The practice of slavery and trafficking. CARE, which again some will be familiar with, Christian Action Research and Education. Two weeks ago during its prayers for those who are being trafficked and, and prayers about modern day slavery quoted that in the United Kingdom, an estimated 100,000 people are in modern slavery. Women, children, and men are trafficked into prostitution, pornography, agricultural and uh, construction labor, manufacturing, domestic servitude, forced begging, and petty criminality. How much more may we 
as a people nation be judged. How guilty are the nations of the West when history is subject to judgment? And we recall Matthew 25, 20, sorry, Matthew 25 and verse 31 and following. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. How much, even as believers, do we consider the day of judgment? The truth that there is to be a judgment is, a, is of paramount importance. Can we go about our life with little thought of God judging us? Some prefer to argue God is a God of love uh, and to talk about judgment as a, as a paradox. C.S. Lewis, in the world's last night and other essays, he, he, he writes, someday, an absolute correct verdict, if you like, a perfect critique will be passed on what each of us is. We will stand before the judge of judge. The obituary will be much more detailed than the funeral tribute. Every act and thought will be scrutinized. Our sinful life will be like a YouTube recording. Uh, all will be made for the eye to see. And again, we, we turn to, we, we can't think about this without turning to Revelation. In Revelation 20, verses 11 to 12. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Look, judgment humbles us. As we appear before a righteous God whose judgment is perfect, there's no miscarriage of justice. But we have an advocate. The believer who has put his or her trust in Jesus, our advocate, we have a redeemer who has paid the price for our sin, who has extinguished the consequences of our sin. It's only because of Jesus that we can stand before our righteous God. John chapter 5 and verse 24 we read, Verily, verily, these are the words of Jesus. Verily, truly, I tell you, 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. I am coming to the second point of uh, this chapter from verse uh, 16 on, where we read there of the day of the Lord. And it's good news. It's good news. Joel finishes with the climax of the day of the Lord. And at the end, of, in verse 16, there is a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. And I believe this alludes to the, the new creation. On that day of the Lord, we who believe, who are the new creation, will enter the refuge of God's new heaven and earth. And I like Eugene Peterson's translation of these few verses. I'm going to read them to you. Then you'll know for sure that I'm your God. Living in Zion, my secret mountain. Jerusalem will be a sacred city, posted, no trespassing. What a day. Wine streaming off the mountains, milk rivering out of the hills, water flowing everywhere in Judah, a fountain pouring out of God's sanctuary, watering all the parks and gardens. And again, as in Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is nigh among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. It's, isn't it an amazing day of judgment? Look, the day of judgment is good news. It's overwhelming to think that the last judgment will be the moment when the powers of the world are overthrown by the power of God. The power that was demonstrated in the victory of the cross when Christ died and triumphed over death through the resurrection will win. Can you see it? God's coming judgment is a good thing. Something to be celebrated, longed for, anticipated, and welcomed. Faced with a world of exploitation and wickedness, which we see every day, a righteous, just, fair, good God must be a God of judgment. And Jesus is sovereign. And he will return at last to put everything right. The whole of creation will be made new. And we, his new creation in Christ, who are still subject to sin, will be transformed to be like Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Joel ends with the words, 
the Lord dwells in Zion. And we who know Jesus, who repent of our sins, trusting in his saving power, will dwell in Zion. As we read in Revelation 21, look, God, his dwelling place, is nigh among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One day, come, Lord Jesus. Let us pray.